Hi, my name is Mike, and I'll be your uh, sermonator for the evening. I am uh, in the middle of what's called my uh, Legacy Series. So if you're new here, you won't see me a lot after a while. But um, yeah, so this is called the sermon I drew on a napkin. You'll find out in a minute why. But first I'd like to uh, recite... I guess it was a poem that I consider formational in in my upbringing as a Christian. It's by a guy named Sam Shoemaker, Samuel Moore Shoemaker, who was a pastor in New York City, Presbyterian pastor, and um, also one of the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. He helped write the 12 steps, if that interests you gives him credibility as far as I'm concerned. But this is called I Stand by the Door. I stand by the door. I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It's the door through which people walk when they find God. There's no use my going way inside and staying there when so many are still outside. And they, as as much as I, crave to know where the door is. And all that so many ever find is only the wall where a door ought to be. They creep along the wall like blind people with outstretched groping hands, feeling for a door, knowing there must be a door, yet they never find it, so I stand by the door. The most tremendous thing in the world is for people to find that door, the door to God. The most important thing any person can do is to take hold of one of those blind, groping hands and put it on the latch, the latch that only clicks and opens to the person's own touch. People die outside that door as starving beggars die on cold nights in cruel cities in the dead of winter die for want of what is within their grasp. They live on the other side of it, live because they have not found it. Nothing else matters compared to helping them find it and open it and walk in and find Him. So I stand by the door. Go in, great saints. Go all the way in. Go way down into the cavernous cellars and way up into the spacious attics. It is a vast and roomy house, this house where God is. Go into the deepest of hidden casements of withdrawal, of silence, of sainthood. Some must inhabit those inner rooms and know the depths and the heights of God and call outside to the rest of us how wonderful it is. Sometimes I take a deeper look in. Sometimes venture in a little farther. But my place seems closer to the opening. So I stand by the door.
There's another reason why I stand there. Some people get part way in and become afraid lest God and the zeal of His house devour them. For God is so very great and asks all of us. And these people feel a cosmic claustrophobia and they want to get out. Let me out, they cry. And the people way inside only terrify them more. Somebody must be by their door to tell them that they are spoiled for the old life. They've seen too much. Once taste God and nothing but God will do anymore. Somebody must be watching for the frightened who seek to sneak out just where they came in to tell them how much better it is inside. The people too far in do not see how near these are to leaving preoccupied with the wonder of it all. Somebody must watch for those who have entered the door but would like to run away. So for them too, I stand by the door. I admire the people who go way in. But I wish they would not forget how it was before they got in. Then they would be able to help the people who have not yet even found the door. Or the people who want to run away again from God. You can go in too deeply and stay in too long and forget the people outside the door. As for me, I shall take my old accustomed place near enough to God to hear Him and know He is there, but not so far from people as not to hear them and remember they are there too. Where? Outside the door. Thousands of them, millions of them, but more important for me, one of them, two of them. Ten of them whose hands I intend to put on the latch. So I stand by the door and wait for those who seek it. I had rather be a doorkeeper. So I stand by the door. This is the graphic representation of standing by the door for me. I used to draw this on napkins when I was trying to explain to people in normal churches what scum of the earth was like. And so I would say, okay, let's just pretend for a minute that this circle represents the body of Christ on the earth. Everything inside the circle is the kingdom of God. Everything outside the circle is the world. And then I would draw another little circle on the perimeter and I would say, that's where scum of the earth is perched. It's, it's on the edge. We want to be the first place people can enter into the kingdom of God. If the most important journey step on any journey is the first step, then we want to make that a baby step. We want them to feel comfortable coming in and looking around. And then I would say a strange thing has happened since we started Scum of the Earth. 
what I found is there are lots of young people being born inside the circle. They're wandering around all over the place trying to figure out where they fit. And sometimes they're not sure they fit at all. And so they're going to go on their way out of the circle. And sometimes they make scum of the earth the last place they try out before they leave on their prodigal journeys out into the far country. And for some, we're just weird enough that they can stick around. If their parents hate our name, scum of the earth, if their parents are questioning, is that a cult? Is that a weird place? What kind of people are there? Then they feel like they can stay. Because they're trying to figure it out on their own, not just with their parents. I used to be a Young Life leader and a Young Life staff guy. And I loved this quote by Young Life's founder, Jim Rayburn. He said, It is best to demonstrate love, kindness, and friendship to people before confronting them with the issue of their salvation. That's important to read again. It is best to demonstrate love, kindness, and friendship to people before confronting them with the issue of their salvation. This is why you've got a hard time with preachers on the 16th Street Mall. Because they have not done this. They have not, in the words of Jim Rayburn, earned the right to be heard. They haven't earned the right to speak into your life because they're just a voice on the mall. Now, can God use that voice? Absolutely He can, and He does. But is that the best way to go about introducing people to the kingdom of God, helping them to find the latch on the door? I don't think so. And so, in case you didn't know, Earning the right to be heard is what I have lived by for the last 19 years. You can call it friendship evangelism. You can call it incarnational ministry for those of you who went to Bible college or seminary. But it's what I've done. I think this is grounded in Scripture. Let me show you where. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23, the Apostle Paul says this in the New International Version translation, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things 
to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Now, I'm going to read that again except from a different version of the message. And this is how it goes in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whomever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. So honestly, that's where the scum vision statement comes from. Scum of the Earth Church is an outpost on the perimeter of God's kingdom finding redemption in Jesus Christ. It's up there on the wall. That's where it comes from. I wanted you to know that before I step down. It's that important. Honestly, because I'm so much older than most of you, I feel like I'm always, almost always attempting this. Well, let me clue you. I have been to concerts of bands I would never have heard of. I have gone to bars and clubs I would probably have avoided. I've talked to hundreds of people about Jesus that I definitely would not have met if it were not for this, the gospel. Oh, man. I remember back in the day for at least two years, I was going to this goth nightclub every week. You know, the kind of club where every night looks like Halloween, where the TV monitors in the bar show horror flicks as opposed to sports, and they play industrial music with titles like Christian Zombie Vampire. I didn't go there because it was the kind of place I normally would go to hang out. <laughs> no, surprise. I would wear black jeans and a black t-shirt or sweater, black shoes, just out of respect. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's about all I had. <laughs> I was invited there by a young man um, known as Gothic Nathan who kind of had made this club his uh, 
his ministry field. I mean, Paul could say to the Jews, I became a Jew, to the Gentiles, I became a Gentile. I think Nathan could say to the Goths, I became a Goth. And so he would get excited every time I showed up. Every time. He'd be running around the club with me in tow, introducing to me to all of his friends, hey, this is my pastor. You should get to know him. I'd say hello, exchange a few words. The music would start. And then I'd buy a beer just to hide behind, if you know what I mean. You know, it's like if you're standing there with nothing in your hand, it's weird. If you stand there with a beer, it isn't as weird. And then I'd watch everybody dance. And this is my, okay, naive outsider impression of dancing into industrial music. It's kind of like Tai Chi with a beat. You know, they were just moving very slowly. I mean... I would practice in my mirror at home. Never went out on the dance floor. There were some people that I just could not watch on the dance floor. Too much skin-tight polyvinyl for this pastor's eyes. (laughs) Anyway, most people were surprised to meet me. I'm sure I was the only pastor they'd ever met in the Onyx. And um, after a while, because you go there for a while, they begin to trust you, right? Earning the right to be heard, right? This is a little outpost that I'm trying to build on the perimeter of the kingdom. And people began asking me questions. And they would ask me questions about all sorts of stuff. Reincarnation was one of them, I remember. Some wanted to share their spiritual stories with me, which was great. Some had some long-held question they needed to ask about theology or about the church. Some hurt where they had sustained it in some Christian scenario in the past. I just went there to love them back to God. They were totally unaware as I would pray for them while they danced and while they drank. I talked to them about their love lives. I played pool with them. I read their poetry. One young couple from the club, both non-Christians, asked me to perform a marriage for them. I think it's because I was the only pastor they had met in a very, very long time. Another guy actually came to Scum as a result of Gothic Nathan's ministry there and me hanging out. And he got prayer after the service one night and got rid of some really dark stuff that was following him around since he had dabbled in Satanism. We had... uh, one young woman, an exotic dancer, on other nights of the week, who gave her life to Christ. Several people came to scum resplendent 
in their gothic attire and makeup, waiting for somebody to be shocked or upset. But you all were great. The church was fantastic. It was just like, oh, hi, how you doing? <laughs> Matter of course. Who cares? We're all just people here. But weird things would happen at SCUM, at the service, because we were doing stuff like that, not just me. We were standing by the door, earning the right to be heard. We were living and working at the outpost. I mean, I have been heckled by drunk people during a sermon more than any pastor that I know. I have been mooned during a service. I've been cussed out at least three or four times. I've been threatened with bodily harm a couple of others. That's what it's like to be in the outpost. We have collected the offering buckets after a Sunday service, and there'd be liquor bottles in there. Now, I don't know if the sermon convicted them and they were just trying to make a statement or if that's all they had and they were donating. I have no idea which one it was, accepting both. One guy's girlfriend of uh, questionable reputation, <laughs> remember, uh, we were inviting people to come forward, kneel down and pray in the front. And um, she came down and knelt on the floor to ask for prayer. And as she bent over, the people behind her noticed that she had no underwear on. Once I paid off a drug dealer with church money. Because uh, the drug dealer was coming by the apartment where this couple lived. The, the guy had gotten himself in trouble. Uh, he was the user. His wife was, you know, clean. And this drug dealer was threatening them, and she was terrified out of her wits. He didn't know what to do, and so he came to me. And so he got in my car, and we went and got some cash from the ATM. And I had... I, there was no line item for that, let me say, on the budget. Um, I never had a seminary class that taught me what to do in that kind of a case. You know, paying off drug dealers 101. This is how you go about it. But I did. Even now, a current staff pastor has even bought heroin. And I'm sorry. I forgot a very important article in between those words. A current staff pastor even bought a heroin junkie marijuana to keep him from using. Also bought him a weight bench and some hobby supplies. Anything that would occupy this user's time to keep his hands and his mind busy not wanting to get another shot of heroin.
Steve Renato said, if it was for somebody else or even for me personally, then it would not have been okay. But he did it. And frankly, I feel like that's just life in the outpost, kids. Scum has been chasing people down to live outside this circle for years. That's why God created scum of the earth. That's why scum is still necessary in Denver. Because we're chasing away. Let's go to uh, Matthew 18, verses 12 through 14. These are the words of Jesus Himself. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go look for the one that has wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Let me give you a little history lesson here, biblically. Jesus Christ left heaven, a perfect place full of perfect beings where the presence of God dwells in a special way to live in this world which is in rebellion against God, full of imperfect people and where Satan reigns. Humanly speaking, there must have been something very uncomfortable about that for Jesus, to say the least. But He did it out of love for us. He was chasing us. In the same way, out of love for people, we Christians need to leave the confines of the church and pursue renegade people in order to bring them into relationship with Jesus Christ just as Jesus brought the church into relationship with God the Father. I imagine this kind of activity is going to be very uncomfortable for most of us just about all the time. It's difficult to find the presence of God in the dark places where He sends us. But I think it is where Jesus would have gone. We're talking about evangelism here, basically. The most heartfelt kind of evangelism activity you've ever thought of. Evangelism is a shepherd's pursuit of the sheep. And frankly, the kingdom of God has seen too many shepherds just waiting for the sheep to wander back into the fold somehow. It's just too scary to chase those little sheep out in the wilderness beyond the door of the kingdom. Perhaps we ourselves might get into a terrifying position on a crumbling ledge where a little lamb has gone astray. But scum has chased people. One of the first girls to come to scum of the earth who wasn't part of the Bible study that began it was a woman named Friday. Friday. Now, she went by Friday because she liked 
Wednesday from the Adams family, and Wednesday was already taken. So she went by Friday, and she was a waitress at the Breakfast King. And she looked like she was part of the Adams family. She wore kind of whitish makeup, had her hair dyed jet black except for the purple bangs in the front. Heavy-duty mascara, black fingernails, black clothes. It was the love of the people from scum who frequented the breakfast king that drew her into the kingdom. One night, after they had invited her to come and watch a movie, video at somebody's house, she got a call from one of the other girls in the group who had been there that night. And this girl was crying for Friday because she felt so deeply that God wanted to touch her life. Friday told me at the time she thought this person was just being an emotional girl. But it got her to thinking about what was behind the group that she had begun to get to know. A few days later, after continuing to think about it, she decided to ask God into her life. She didn't know whether to wish it or to say it out loud or to pray it since she had never done anything like that before. She didn't even have the vocabulary. And it was after praying the prayer or whatever she did saying the words that she began having dreams of someone who reminded her vaguely of her dad but wasn't her dad speaking to her in the middle of all the bad things that she was doing in the dreams and asking her is this the way that you want the rest of your life to be in the dream?" She replied, no, this is not what I want. Whereupon the voice that sounded like her father, but wasn't her father, said, then just believe. I mean, that's the heritage of Scum of the Earth Church, right there. This kind of stuff brought me to tears. In addition to uh, talking about shepherds and sheep, Jesus told his disciples he'd make them fishers of people. But there have been too many Christian fishermen and too many Christian fisherwomen who are waiting for the fish to jump into the boat as opposed to going out there throwing a net or dropping a fishing line. I can hear Jesus saying it in yet another way. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. You see, great things happen when we leave the farmhouse and go out into the field and do what He says. Great things happen when we leave the circle and go just outside to see what Jesus is doing 
with people who are trying to find the latch to the door. So let's stand by the door as a church. After I leave, stand by the door and grab people as they wander aimlessly past, blindly past, looking for the portal to the life that their hearts have always longed for. And while we're at it, let's not hinder the people who are actually out there chasing them. Because we want the attention. It's one of those (laughs) balancing acts you've got to do as a pastor at Scum of the Earth. Do I spend time chasing people who are outside the kingdom? Or do I spend time taking care of the sheep, the 99 who are already inside? Like you've got to split your time. Now, the people on the outside are not wise enough. They don't know enough to be jealous. It's the people on the inside that you've got to console. So here's what I think. I think if you want more attention from a scum staff person who is spending a lot of time talking to people who are outside the door, go with the staff person outside the door. Go to the golf club. Go to the concert. Go to the bar. Go to the skate park. Go wherever. And be a catcher. Like, let him grab people who are groping blindly and hand them off to you. We need catchers. Here's an interesting little tidbit I found out while getting ready for the sermon. Upper left is a galaxy. It's the Andromeda galaxy. But it looks a lot like our galaxy, the Milky Way. Did you know that our solar system is on the perimeter of our galaxy? These spiral arms that come out, kind of a spiral thing. And we're out in the perimeter. Did you know that that if we weren't on the perimeter as a solar system, that when you looked up into the night sky, it wouldn't be dark if we weren't? on the perimeter. The reason that we can see stars is because we're on the perimeter. See? There's a Milky Way right down there, lower photograph. That's why you can see the rest of the Milky Way because you're out from it on the perimeter. It's almost as if God were giving Scum of the Earth Church a sign every time you look up into the night sky that the perimeter is where I want you. There have got to be people who are standing by the door looking for people who are blindly groping around for a life they don't know where it is and help them put their hand on the latch that only opens to their touch. Somebody did that for me. And uh, 
That's her on the left. Laverne. She's a senior when I was a junior. She was a junior when I was a sophomore in high school. She was the first Christian I ever met, really. I mean, as a free-thinking adult. She was a pretty good vocalist, and she was looking for uh, someone to play guitar for her for a school-wide talent show in the spring of uh, my sophomore year. And someone in the band that we both knew um, suggested to her that she ask me. Now, I was just starting to play guitar. I wasn't very good. And so uh, Laverne approached me and said, hey, could we try this out? So I actually used one of the practice rooms in the band room, and we tried it, and I was obviously much lacking in ability and skill. So that's why that no work. But, for whatever reason, she started asking me questions of a spiritual nature. She uh, introduced me to her youth group. This guy named Pat Thompson, upper right-hand side. And they were like tag-team me. It was like good cop, bad cop. Laverne was a good cop. Pat was the bad cop. Pat would confront me about Jesus. And I didn't want to hear about it because I thought this guy who's younger than me actually has got it more together than I do. I can tell that and he scares the shit out of me. And so I would see him coming down the hallway of the high school going to class. I'd be going up the hallway to class and I would turn around and go around all three sides of the high school to get to my class so I wouldn't have to pass him. It was that convicting. And so I thought it would kind of be fun if I called Laverne and had her talk to you a bit as I asked questions about what it was like for her to be on the perimeter for me. Wouldn't that be fun? Let's give it a try. See if she answers. Hello. Hey, Laverne. Hey, Michael. <laughs> Say hi to Scum. Hi, Scum. <laughs> That's great. Hi, everybody. It's really great to be able to talk to y'all. So, um, Laverne, I'm going to ask you a few questions here. Um, let me ask, the first question is a why question. Why did you start talking to me about faith in Jesus? What, what was it, do you think, that made you take that turn? Well, I think on some level I sensed that you were searching, and we were just talking, and I was listening a little bit, and um, I had a very uh, gut response um, to you and and that was um, compassion and concern and um, I guess I felt like I had been given so much um, been given by God so much in my life that I needed to be able to share that with you and um, I would have said that my life which had been very difficult up to that point 
um, was saved by the fact that God's presence was in my life and sustaining me and giving me strength through very difficult times and some harrowing experiences and that he had stabilized me and literally kind of saved my life in a very real and present sense of the word. I, I don't mean salvation in terms of eternal life. I mean um, he brought stability to me that I didn't have otherwise. So I was... I was full of that kind of knowledge of knowing what God can do and wanted to share that. Cool. So, um, just so you all know, um, so what happened after that, so I, I kind of met uh, Laverne's friends at the youth group and her youth pastor, and um, we, uh, you know, I kind of got to know about things a bit. I even prayed a prayer that I didn't really believe. But, I, you know, I was exposed, right? And then Laverne, Laverne graduated, and then I graduated. No, no, no. I moved. She graduated. I moved to a new school. So we lost touch with each other for, like, uh, I don't know, 20 years, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's see. Tw- uh, 71 to 89. Okay. There you go. That's, yeah. Long time. And I become a Christian in the meantime. And so, Laverne, why don't you talk about the first time we met again after high school? What was that like for you? Well, shocking. I um, I had four little children, and I was had gone through a divorce. I moved back to Toledo, Ohio, to live near my twin sister and start my life over again. And and I. I took my four little duckies to church one day at Grace Church and walked in, and there Michael was standing there. And I went, what are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh, my goodness, and you told me you were the youth pastor. And I was simply blown away. Um, Gobsmacked is the word I like to use (laughs) right in the face. my, uh, you ended up having a ministry to my children and to my oldest son. I believe he would have been about 16 then. Yeah. And my other son would have been uh, 14. And, um, and, you know, he would come home from, from uh, youth gatherings and say, Mom, I didn't know that about you. <laughs> it, was, it was so funny. Uh, but, but, you know, it came full circle. I didn't know what had become of you. I had no idea that you were, had um, come to know the Lord, that you were in the ministry. And then here I am at probably one of the lowest times in my life. And um, we reconnect, and you have a ministry in my children's life. So there's this legacy that... You know, it went full circle and came came back around and was extremely meaningful and amazing to me. Okay, great, thanks. And so, um, uh, one last question. There's probably two parts here, but um, as you look back on all this, what lessons from God were in it for you? I mean, or what lessons do you think are even in it for scum of the earth people? What would you say to scum of the earth? say our smallest faithfulness um you know i was a i was a high school kid and a lot of you know came from a pretty difficult background but you know god ministered to me and i was faithful to um give what little i could you know and to know that that had an impact where um michael you would go on to do the kind of ministry 
do shows that God takes even our smallest, tiniest little bits, our gifts that we give and our faithfulness, and uses it in an amazing way, unknown to us. You just never know the effect you will have in a person's life. And that, to me, is just a huge, huge, huge lesson. It it really um, has brought home to me that even our smallest offerings are very worthwhile. And as broken as we may be, and I am, he can still use my little bit of faithfulness. (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. I couldn't have written it for you any better than that. (laughs) Well, it's just true. Yeah. It's just true. So, so really, you know, Scum of the Earth is kind of full of your... If, if I'm kind of like a spiritual child, that means Scum of the Earth is kind of like spiritual grandchildren for you. Wouldn't that be true? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I, yesterday I was thinking about it, and I thought, oh, my goodness. And my heart just filled up with love. And it was like, oh, Lord, what an amazing blessing in my life to know that I have spiritual grandchildren out there. I don't even know them, but, oh, my goodness, what a blessing. Okay. Hey, well, thanks a lot for taking the time. Um, I'll probably call you in the next couple of days. We'll debrief. Uh, but, All right. Uh, That's yeah. great. Hope you don't hate Thank the rest you. of my book. <laughs> no, I love it. I've enjoying it. It's great. And I, I love reading about what's going on. And, and um, you know, you guys will be... In our prayers, Steve and I will be thinking of you and um, and what you have going on, and, and all the folks there, all those all those beautiful little chickies that are out there. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Okay, that's great. All right, all right. So love much, you, Laverne. Talk to you later. Love you guys too. Right, Bye. Well, that was great. Wasn't that great? Yeah. So um, I'm going to ask you. How about you guys? Do you guys think you could commit, especially in my absence, to uh, acting like Jesus did? Going out after the lost sheep? Or like the Apostle Paul did, becoming a Jew to the Jew, a Gentile to the Gentiles? I mean, standing by the door, earning the right to be heard, kind of like Laverne did with me you know maybe to the elderly folks in the nursing home you can become just like a senior citizen yourself and so stand at the door at the nursing home beyond the perimeter the outpost at the nursing home maybe uh, to the kids skateboarding you can become like a skateboarder Uh, to the nerds the geeks and the jocks and others at your school, you could become like a nerd or, or like a geek or like a jock in order to win them for the sake of the gospel. To the harried 30-something single mom with kids who's running back and forth from soccer practice to music lessons or whatever, maybe you could become like a 30-something single mom and offer some much-needed help, child care, speak the language to the new person who just moved in from out of town and Denver's one of those places where people are always moving to from out of town maybe you could become like a person who just moved out of town 
You can forget your friends who love you and will love you no matter what for a while and go be a friend of the person who has no friends because they just moved in from out of town. The stressed out marketing people, the sales people, the managers, the technicians, maybe you can become their coworker. in order to lead them into a God-saved life. Let me go back to this picture of the Milky Way galaxy for a minute. This is from Daniel. The prophet Daniel. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus. And he said this, he says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise, it could be translated, those who impart wisdom, will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. We're here on the perimeter. We're here at the outpost. And here's the great thing about it, folks. It's all darkness behind us. And people can see us like stars in the night sky. They can. Because we're on the perimeter. That's why they see us. Who do you know that needs a church like scum? Whom do you know that needs a church like scum? Okay? Think about it for just a couple of seconds. Just one person. All right? And then at the count of three, I'm going to ask you all to shout that person's name out together. All right? Think about one person's name. I want you to say that person's name out loud. Ready? One, two, three. Okay. We're gonna. That was good. Let's uh, let's end by praying silently for that person. Pray that God can make you the person to speak to them about Jesus. In Christ's name, we ask all these things. Amen.